Hello and welcome to the Commerce Journey Podcast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I am here as per usual with my partner in crime, Corey Miller. Hey, Corey. Yo, yo. Good to be back on the podcast. Hey, uh, I'm thrilled to be back again this week and we've got more fun stuff to talk about, of course. Um, We're going to be talking about choosing a product line and I think that we'll have a nice sprawling discussion about you know, all the thoughts that you have when you're trying to pick what the heck am I going to sell. Um, no matter what you're going to sell, though, you know what? GoDaddy Pro can help you with that. You can go to commercejourney.com slash go. GoDaddy Pro is our partner in all things at Commerce Journey. And at that link at commercejourney.com slash go, they can help you get set up really nicely, easily, cheaply with all kinds of of good stuff, including bundled extensions with WooCommerce, a free domain name, and other sweet deals. And it is an insanely good introductory price. So go to commercejourney.com slash go to check it out today. And thanks so much to Commerce, or rather to GoDaddy Pro for being our partner in everything that we're doing with this project as we experiment and and learn to communicate with our, our new audience. And uh, I don't know what episode of the podcast this is, maybe like the fourth um, Sounds right. But it seems like it's time to talk about, hey, what are we actually going to sell, Corey? You know, mostly so far we've uh, talked as if, you know, we're making the assumption that someone knows they're going to sell something and they know what they're going to sell. But every e-commerce store owner, they go through this process of trying to figure out what am I actually going to sell? Um, both you and I have sold stuff online. You're selling stuff uh, physically now. I've consulted companies that have sold physical products. You know the ones that succeed are the ones that have a really well-defined idea of what they're going to sell. So why don't you start us off, and then I'll, I want to chime in too, about what do you, how do you start the thought process for, you know, you decide, I got to get into e-commerce. This is, this is an opportunity. How do you start the process of saying, this is what I'm going to sell? I think there's a ton of ways to get to your product that you're going to sell. But I think one of the better ways is starting with um, something you're interested in. I want to back off saying something you love. Like maybe you love your hobby, you know, but you don't necessarily want to turn that into an e-commerce business operation. Take your hobby and make it into a career. And spoiler alert, anytime you turn a hobby into a career, well, then it feels like a career. Like a, your job always feels like a job. It can be really fun, but yeah. sometimes a hobby is a sacred thing. So you don't necessarily want to turn it into a career just as an FYI. I've done that. Yeah. A times. I, and, and a lot of people that are so good at uh, something like, you know, I think of my Matt, uh, friend, Matt, he's a woodworker in his hobby mm-hmm. and he just does it cause he enjoys it. Like it's right. a recharge thing for him. If you were to, monetize that really get serious about it it could easily become something that's a stress relief valve to you know a chore right so but having said that with that caveat i think the best you know business ideas in general come from something you're interested in something like gets you up at night you know in the morning i mean and something you can see yourself doing several years from now let's say you were doing it consistently for 40 hours a week uh for three years you know yeah. Where's your interest level on that? I've seen some of the best like come from that. When I've talked to people specifically around their own commerce journey, it, the best ones, the ones I go, this is probably going to be a success is the ones that come from like 
I just love doing this. I really enjoy it and I want to monetize it. I think I would expand on it being interesting to you and say also it needs to in my, preferably it needs to be something where either you're already an expert or you have the capacity to become an expert on how this thing operates. So, Corey, why don't we just continue our ongoing theme of coffee grinders here, and maybe we'll have to start yeah. a coffee grinder, sto- uh, you know, a business here at some point. But yeah, in the in the coffee grinder example, if you don't know anything about coffee grinders, you can't get into the mindset of the common user of coffee grinders. And if you can't get into the mindset, then your likelihood of creating a quality product for them is going to be low because you don't know their issues. You don't know what annoys them about current coffee grinders and what would really help them and really sell them on why your coffee grinder is the one to buy. And that to me does not matter whether you're manufacturing a custom design product or if you're just reselling something that exists. Because if you don't know enough to determine what makes one that you could resell better than the other one that you could resell, you're not going to be in a very good position to make the pitch to the buyer of what makes you different and special. And I think being an expert in what you're selling is going to enable you to speak with authority in your marketing materials and your product descriptions and all that stuff about, hey, this is the one you should buy. And I think it'll really show up in your conversions for your sales. Customers can sniff out. Well, you can sniff out just, is this just a pure money play? Someone's just trying to... Or just another product on the shelf, right? Yeah, and if it's just another There's product a, on the shelf, then why do they need to buy it from you, you little indie seller? Like they can do that from a big box store. And I definitely don't want to be competing on price as best I can. I, and, and, but they can see the level of care and the touch you have. So I start with interest. I, I'm even careful to say passion, passion and love. I, you can come to love certain things, but if you're not interested in it at all, um, it's the furthest thing. In fact, it's a drag. It's going to catch, you know, it's going to catch up. It's going to show to your customers and it's likely you won't have long-term sustainability. You won't persevere through the downturns that every business and entrepreneur has. Mm. So it's a key thing to really consider. Like, do I enjoy doing this? You know, my previous company, we ended up toward the last half or the biggest part of our tenure, my tenure running that business, uh, doing backups and security and maintenance. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had spun back time before and said, are you you know, interested in backups and security? I'd be like, no, I don't know anything about them. <laughs> but it became a passion, not even for backups and security, but more so building the business and the team and doing this amazing video game called entrepreneurship. So I was very passionate about the team, about building products, and it didn't have to be something I was supremely interested in. Now, I care about it. I care about backups and security because it became an issue for our customer group. And that's the other thing. Not just product. Do you care about the product? But do you care about the people that you're building or serving or supporting through those products or services that you put on your e-commerce store? That's another critical part. Like you could love the product but hate the people you serve. Mm. You know, high maintenance. They don't, they don't pay stuff. Well, that's another good check I think to make. Yeah, and what you said about kind of becoming passionate over time, you identified a problem set with your customers in the first half of your life of your company's journey and you said, "Hey, this is a problem that our customers are facing. They're facing security issues, they're facing issues getting reliable backups." That was back in a day where, you know, the GoDaddy Pros of the world didn't exist yet and it was the bare metal GoDaddy 
shared hosting that they weren't yet, you know, optimizing for WordPress. So you guys were creating the tools to help them optimize for WordPress and you were putting those solutions forward for them. And that's something that you were able to get passionate in because you realized you were solving a problem that customers were having. Uh, and, and I think that is, that makes a really nice definable difference of what you're, what you're doing there. Oh yeah. You can grow into your interests. You can grow into, but you know what we really found was that we love to serve the people right. that we were serving and, and no, that, that's no a really what good the product point. is like, yeah, there's some pretty, you know, pretty like, I don't know, I call them like blue collar or, you know, utility type things that you can do in life that are, you know, they might sound boring or something, but you know, you still can relate with people. You can still solve problems. You can still make their lives and their businesses better. And that's where the yep. real reward lies. So that can bring us to another point of, hey, do you need to choose like a sexy product or like a, a, a hip product, you know, like something that's on the, the top trends? Like, do you need to make hoverboards for teenagers? Uh, like, is that the only product line? Or can you make like aluminum paneling for warehouses? <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I, the equation with businesses, I believe it's not just about profit. We've seen and continue to see gross amounts manipulations of people when it's just about profit but there's another and if you don't have profit you're a non-profit like you're a hobby yeah but there's another side of that which is purpose now i don't think you have to save baby seals in order to feel you know fulfilled in your job yeah but it, it's it's really key but there's a balance there profit and purpose and so um you know, serving the people that uh you care about and doing something that's meaningful in the world but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be hoverboards for teenagers. That's cool. I wanted to do that, but I bet you it's fairly competitive. Yeah, you know, and fairly in, in commoditized. Yeah, and come on. I mean, hoverboards. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there's probably uh, there's probably two dozen knockoff brands that are all using the same designs and manufacturing, and we'll get into that question. But the point is, like, you don't necessarily have to go for that super trending thing. I've actually heard of a store that they sell. Um, industrial supplies for like uh, you know high efficiency commercial vacuum cleaners, and that's the type of thing where that could be a fantastic store. And you might not think, oh yeah, people buying vacuum cleaner supplies offline, but that's the that's a difficult thing to go get from like Home Depot in person, right? Or Bed Bath and Beyond. They're selling you know retail Dyson vacuum cleaners for the people that need commercial supplies and commercial parts for high, you know, like the high dollar vacuum cleaners, the janitorial services use or schools use things like that. Well, they're going to buy online and that's not a sexy product line, but I bet you it's a profitable one. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of serendipity in all this, you know, you might start out and say, I'm going to build lawn chairs, you know, these cool lawn chairs for, you know, this group, this is what my pet, you know, passion and interest is. But then you find out from your customers, they actually like the cup holders that go on the armchairs or something like that. And yeah. there's a serendipitous thing. Like, does, does a nine-year-old kid growing up think, I want to build and sell commercial vacuums? You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, serendipitously, that's where you pair your experiences. You know, before I started my last company, most of my experiences were in nonprofits, particularly like church and seminaries. I was you know, a communication director for a couple of churches. Mm -hmm. And before that was newspapers and PR. So if I just look at my background, I go, okay, 
that's my experiences. Now, you might just go, you know what? I have spent, somebody listening to this may go, I spent the last 20 years selling commercial vacuums, okay? And then go, okay, what well, now what's interesting? What do I get mad about too, like oh, with yeah. the industry? What, what do I want to change about it? Yeah, what annoys you or frustrates you or even angers you that you want to change? Those are great opportunities for a product because you're seeing something you're trying that's probably a frustration for someone else and I want to change you know like for instance I our home internet sucks it's terrible it's terrible uh, our particular internet provider does not have you know service out to that so we have to do point to point it was it was so mad it's frustrated me so mad and we're in this pandemic where everybody's at home streaming that I hit up one of our mutual friends, John, who actually started up point-to-point internet service. And I was like, oh, just kind of curious. So I'm not going to do that, right? But that's a great – he he now started up this little fledgling side hustle doing point-to-point internet because he had to solve his own problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're going to do that too. Is Your your product idea, if you don't have one yet, it needs to come from those personal experiences that you've had in the past or that you have currently. And I think – a lot of times we could fail to recognize the opportunity if we don't think, hey, what's some stuff I did in the past where uh, there was a problem set that should be brought online, right? Like maybe it was a past career or something. Um, and if not, then something that you're doing now, whether it's a hobby or, or whatever else, and it's like here's here's something that would have just really made this easier. You know, I, our audience may know by now, but I, I really like photography. I really like – audio stuff. I use them for work, but I also kind of nerd out on them for fun. And I'll frequently discover like, gosh, I just wish I had this certain type of cable or the certain type of clip or bag or, you know, a little thing to like make my wrangling of all this equipment a little better. And it's not the like high end. I'm not making a microphone, you know, I'm not making uh, a camera or something like that. But the the idea in that, that if I was looking to see, hey, what can I make and sell would be like, what's that utility thing that makes some of this come together and makes that experience better? To me, that's a sweet spot where you can solve a problem, talk about it passionately. In, in a lot of these cases, you can even design and get pretty decent priced manufacturing to create them. You know, if you have like a plastic product or little metal product that's a utility product and it's meant specifically for a, a, a product that already has a ton of distribution like a popular microphone or a popular camera or something like that that's the type of thing i imagine there's opportunity and it's worth exploring what can i create and yeah go ahead on that and then i want to dig into yeah one other thing it made me think of my friend uh here that an entrepreneur friend i've, I've got I would have never have dreamed this up, but it made me think about this, like your passion about audio equipment, for instance, you know, Brian, or even let's say the coffee grinder. Yeah. So he manufactures, he, he, he was always into cars, you know, loving to soup up cars and, and tune up cars. I don't know if he did racing at some point or something, but he found his business now takes, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like an air filter for a car originally manufactured thing and his business takes that and tunes it up and makes it high performance. See what he's doing. He's taking something somebody else manufactures and then he's taking it in his shop and he spends some time on it and he tunes it to create this multi-million dollar business. Now it's pretty dang awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, when you were talking about this, I was like, what's the mashup? Mm-hmm. So like, I like coffee, you know, and grinders 
Is there some mashup you can take from your experiences, your expertise, um, your passions, your interests, and mash it up and do something like that too? Is there a value add to it? So, you know, most people like Brian is my, you, you are my source when I want to know what the, well, this is why I'm wearing this headset right now. It's because you should recommend it to me. Can you pair something with something originally manufactured like content support, you know, all these buckets and make this mashup. So I'm trying to give people an ideas and inspiration to say, it doesn't have to look like everything else, yeah. but the creative aspect is when you, you pull things together and mash them up and serve the customer. But you have to start with, you know, you, I, are you frustrated about the coffee grinder or audio equipment? And is there some mashup that you can do where you don't have to manufacture this, this headset, you know, but apply some of your other expertise Almost to like create a very thing. cool. Almost like you're putting together a bundle. And if you, yeah. if you source the individual pieces, you put them together as a bundle, then you can essentially have a discount buying in bulk and a markup by bundling them together nicely and make your profit in the middle because you know that this particular bundle uh, is going to solve a very specific problem for people. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, another thing that I can't not mention in the sense of, hey, here's an idea, something that I think that would improve X, Y, or Z, or it would be a nice iteration on something that already exists. It would just be better. Um, and that the hard and intimidating part of that is, well, how do I prototype this stuff? Uh, like, how do I get, like, if I'm making something, how do I even do that? But we've had a revolution in the past five years on 3D printers. And you can get a 3D printer, and it may not be the same material, but you can prototype the shape, the feel, the, you know, the basics of something for like well under $1,000 and certainly even a high-end one. You could probably make your actual product with a 3D printer that's uh, maybe like $2,000. But you can get like crude 3D printers for two or 300 bucks. And you can pr 3D print your prototypes for something and see, is this good or is this bad? And then you can use the one that you have this evolution for, you know, something that kind of comes together. Take your prototype and send it off to your potential manufacturers to actually get it sourced. And I guarantee that is saving product developers tons of time these days for a barrier to entry that is drastically lower than it ever was before. Well, so another piggybacking on your idea there is let's say you don't have all the technical expertise that, and you know, you're going to have to learn how to do 3d printing. Well, like in Oklahoma city here, there's a makerspace. Yeah. So contact, and ask someone. <laughs> yeah. Walk in and ask and say, Hey, here's what I'm trying to do and see if there's somebody that will help you prototype that from a makerspace. That community, by the way, as a sidebar is so prolific because they're so interested in making their own stuff, like to help someone else. Yeah. There's probably like, you know, a very generous community around that. Now I, I know you might be jealous really about your ideas are really selfless. Like they're, they're totally in for helping you. As long as you come in with a certain humility and also, yeah. I, you got to approach it the right way, like a human being. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. So there's, you know, I think all of this that we're trying to say is there's ideas and inspiration out there. If you just have an open mind and willing to just push in and ask questions. I think the best part for me is, is you. like, yeah, absolutely. You know, every time I see an entrepreneurial 
project in a college or something. It's always related to the student, like a mm-hmm. student problem, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, that's cool. Now I see a lot of those, you know, I'm like, man, that's just so, so uh, competitive and everything like that. But I'm like, they're starting for where they understand and where they're passionate, trying to solve their own problems. But just like you said, if you just got to look around and just go, what am I interested in? You know, for me, when we, when I started on my next chapter of professional career, it was like, I want to serve entrepreneurs that I knew that, you know, this is coffee journey helps me fulfill some of that keeps me excited. It also blends marketing. I love digital marketing that blends. This is a great outlet for that. Um, And, you know, those mashups, then if you just be open and just start asking questions, a lot of it, like you said, is sitting around you. If you stay curious and just ask questions, how somebody has a problem, you know, you see in your life and you go, okay, how many people are probably in that bucket like that? Mm, And, And that starts you to think, how big is that audience and how big is the need out there? And then maybe you go to a makerspace and build a little prototype and say, does this solve your problem? Yeah. And you might birth a whole e-commerce empire. I want to I want to zone in on what you said about discovering who the audience is, who the market is, because I think once you kind of get this idea of like, oh, yeah, this is a problem that I see and I think I can make something to work there. The discovery of the market is a really important part. And I think I've seen this a ton in software, um, but I know it happens in physical products as well. Where somebody's like, here's a problem I'm going to solve. I know I can solve it. Here it is. What do you think? And I'm like, hmm, I think you're doing a good job of solving a problem. I just don't think enough people have this problem. Or you're like really, 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 really narrow. Like it's way too inside baseball. Like maybe there's a thousand people that even do this and would need, you know, like if you sell it to everybody, it's not even sustainable. But you're not going to sell it to everybody. And um, in in the in the physical product space, I think – decide, okay, here's the problem I can solve. I think this is attainable. Here's what I can make. You've done all that part. You've got the idea. You have to research the size of this market and find the sweet spot. And I define the sweet spot as like, what is that? uh, What's that middle part of the market, right? Like I mentioned spatulas in our pre-show. It's going to be hard to just say like, here's a spatula. There's nothing special about this spatula. There's another spatula. Maybe maybe that's a cool color. Maybe there's a, an interesting grip, whatever. You're still selling spatulas that people can get in any grocery store, in any big box store, yada, yada, you know, all that. You're selling something that is so out there everywhere. People will sell spatulas just like yours for cheaper with better profit, et cetera. On the other end, you don't want to make something that is so niche that, like, there's no one that's ever going to buy it, like – uh, I don't know, for example, but like how many people are buying like those little bitty tiny shrimp forks these days? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, what's your kitchen device that's like maybe in between these concepts? Maybe it's like corn on the cob holders. Maybe that's I, I just, or like the, yeah. maybe it's themed ones for parties, right? Like uh, uh, I'm just thinking like what's what's the yeah. middle ground if you're going to try to create a more generic product? How can you personalize it? Like maybe you make it with, you know, themed for your favorite sports team. Maybe a uh, Oklahoma City Thunder spatula would be something that you could actually sell. Um, I'm obviously spitballing. Yeah, yeah. But you see what I'm saying, like in terms of how to narrow down if it's generic and how to broaden out if it's too specific? Too many times the error I see is we come up with this brilliant idea. You know, every time I hear brain idea, I almost check out because I'm like, man, 
There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. If you're thinking of some idea, there's probably somebody else in 7 billion people or however <laughs> many are on this planet now that also have it. The odds are probably you're not alone in this. Yeah. Uh, but if I start to think, okay, you know, this is where people talk about avatars and personas and all that stuff. But the simple way for me to think about it is, okay, I've got this idea this would be ideal for this person and have one person in mind. In fact, before we started this podcast episode, I was thinking of Brandon's daughter, you know, that listened to our podcast. And I'm like, who sent us an email and everything. And I'm like, how, how do we help give her ideas and inspire her to, to do that? But with that in mind, you have somebody in mind. And then you start to think, you get real clear on that. It's this person. The obvious things are age and demographics and all that kind of stuff, right? But the other thing is like, how many people have a similar problem to that, you know, that I can just think of in my life. And then this, this whole idea of total available market, how many people total, you know, can I get some data on? You can probably find that data. How many people are similar to this category? You can find that, that identifiable, identifiable mark within your audience and then go, okay, it's a million people, you know, it's a million people out there that have this problem. Do they know they have the problem? One, if they know they have the problem, if it's frustration in their life and they value that thing, that's an easier play. But do they know they have the problem or do you have to convince them they have a problem? Like the shrimp thing, how do you get to – do people know they have a problem with the – they have a, that the shrimp fork thing solves? Yeah. You know, I think about fancy restaurants. Maybe that's a – or seafood restaurants. You could find – how many seafood restaurants are in the United States or whatever geographical market you're trying to serve and then think, okay, how do I, the next question that goes to my mind is how do you get to them? How do you get your message that your product is the magical cure or solution to that? And those are some great first steps as you start to narrow in. Now, also with the caveat we both would give is like, there's always the Colonel Sanders, Sanders out there. You know, the, the myth that I've heard about Colonel Sanders is he got uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. He got so many no's or so many failures before he discovered, you know, hit on success. You know, if you're so passionate about it, you're willing to endure a lot of rejection and run a no, that's the caveat I'd give people to. But those are some ways I think about it. That's a good point because I could, you know, I could belittle the shrimp fork and then lo and behold, someone knows a lot more about the demand for shrimp forks than I do. And I just missed the boat on that, right? Or maybe there's a whole different use case for shrimp forks that I wasn't considering, and people are buying up shrimp forks because they're useful in a completely different application. My wife and I, we like Chemex for our coffee, and they come with these special filters. Well, it took us a month to get new Chemex filters because people were buying them to put in masks for all the um, you know all the COVID stuff. And oh wow, like that was obviously you know, just, just happenstance, but it was like a product that was being used for something totally different. So there's ton, there's certainly opportunity out there. I want to zone in a little more cause I don't think we've done enough on personalization or you talked a lot about solving a problem. The other big realm of product is bringing someone joy. And I think a lot of, mm. especially like cult e-commerce, you know, like eighties tees.com and you know, some of the, some of the stuff like that, like where, there are just lines of products where people bring others joy. So it could be totally generic. I've always wanted to sell uh, leather coasters because I like I just like doing like really simple leather work. But I only want to sell leather coasters if I can put cool stuff on it. Like I can put 
like the state of Alabama imprinted on the coaster, or I can put, you know, your favorite sports team imprinted on the coaster, or I can, um, you know, put a, a whatever, like something like that. That's going to bring someone joy to say like, Oh, look, I have these coasters and they are for something that I root for something that I cheer on. Right. And I think a product line that brings someone joy gives you more opportunity for being generic uh, like a t-shirt line. You talked about the Oklahoma t-shirt company, right? Yeah. Well, it's a t-shirt. Everybody's got too many of them, but it doesn't mean you can't sell a t-shirt for $24 if it brings them joy or if it gives them pride in where they live or something like that. Exactly. I'm very utilitarian in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, so I tend to focus on that and that's, that's another aspect we should, you know, think about as we, determine what products and stuff that we do. Like, would it behoove me to do luxury items? Maybe not. I'm currently wearing, I think this is a target shirt, you know, <laughs> like a $15 target shirt, but um, you know, this brings up, and we'll put this in the show notes. Uh, a Harvard business review several years ago came out with this value, uh, the elements of value. And there's like 30 of these things. And I use this as a matrix, but there's really three layers that they do to the, it's a value pyramid is what it's called. The bottom is functional. You know, do you save me money? Do you save me time? Kind of things. And I always kind of start there. The second level is emotional, which is what I think you're, you're, think, you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you're a huge Auburn fan. Right. You know, selling you an Auburn coaster, that's a big deal. Like, it's easy. But I could care less. It's, it's, a, it's an easy <laughs> you know? pitch to me. Hey, do you, want yeah. a, do you want a cool Auburn coaster? Yes, I do. Yes. And then I think the third level that they put on this pyramid, we'll put this in the show notes again, is life-changing. You know, talk about provides hope, motivation, belonging. I would even say your Auburn coaster is part of belonging too. Mm. You know, it's emotional. But it could be like it, it could be exercise equipment, right? Like something yeah. aspirational. Yeah. So this thirty elements, I like to when we went back to our mashup thing is like, how could I do the coaster but provide belonging? Do the coaster but reduce anxiety? You know, these are some of the elements on the the list. That's a good mashup too. But I think you're that that's good. Like there's an entertainment value of a proposition of a product too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I think we've given people a pretty good landscape to start with. So let's summarize a couple of things. You want to know about what you're selling. You want to know the area you're selling. So be, either be close to an expert, certainly a, a, a really versed user. You want to also know the market. Are you the only one that this brings joy or that solves their problem? Uh, so identify what is the market capability. And then we didn't dig into it as much, but the feasibility uh, of actually producing the product, you're going to figure that out when you're doing those cheap prototypes, though, of what, how difficult it is or how easy it is. I'll give a quick story on that. Uh, <laughs> I re- really wanted to create these cases, like travel cases for my AeroPress. I have a lot of coffee-themed stuff, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this like cylindrical, handmade, leather and canvas AeroPress case. And it was like just making this was going to take me hours and cost me probably like 50 or $60 of material. So I'm like, unless people want to buy these from me for like two to $300 a pop, which is 10 times the price of the AeroPress, it might not work. So if I want to do this, I might just make it for me, not so much for a product. So the feasibility is a big deal there. And then that emotional sense, the well-being, the how can you pitch this product that you've discovered so that someone will be enticed and desire to buy it? 
what else did I miss there? Oh, it's all good. There's so many criteria, but I, th- I think if you start with like the Venn diagram of first, you start with the left side, the circle. It's just two overlapping circles, right? The fancy name is Venn diagram, and I had to Google that. But the, the left was, let's say, your experiences, your interests, um, the, the, the problems you're curious about on the left side. And then the right side is what's going to make money and the overlap between those two when you pair interest and potentially passion and expertise and experience with people will actually pay you money. That's, that's, that's the theme right there. You're trying to find the overlap there. But when you start with things you're naturally interested in, have experience in, it's a whole lot easier than just going out and going, I'm going to build an iOS app today. (laughs) Well, I have no way to do that. You know, I'd have to go hire people. So um, I, I think we're just trying to give criteria and some ways to start where you are and then narrow down to focus, but not of, to overwhelm you. Yeah, and a lot of people that go into that with the iOS app, you really reminded me of this. Most people brand new to you know figuring this out, oh, this should be a product. Uh, they don't know what they don't know, and you need, yep. to, you need to know that you don't know what you don't know when you get into it, or else you'll end up down a rabbit hole. You'll do too much. You'll, you'll go too far down the path when you should have just been able to discover – like, oh, yeah, yeah, this other company does this, or this is why you don't need to go down this path. Like, you'll discover so much to prevent you from wasted effort if you work, first work on figuring out what you don't know about that ecosystem. That's part of that becoming an expert uh, or a really advanced user side is because you're going to avoid a lot of that. Um, all right, let's leave it there. I hope that we've given people a lot to brainstorm about. And what I would love is if you have a store, if you've created a product, share some of your experience in terms of bringing your product to reality or finalizing your idea. Bring that to our Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash commerce journey and share in the discussion to uh, talk to us about your experience developing your product. We would love that. And also, you know, thanks so much again to our partner, Go to Addy Pro. You can go to commercejourney.com slash go to check them out and learn more about the plans that they have to help you get started with your e-commerce store. I've had a good time. Corey, thanks for uh, chatting with me about this, and we'll catch everybody soon. 